my first pre-roll ad, the band you just heard and are hearing currently underneath my voice is called Why So Awkward. You can find them on Bandcamp. They don't have any social medias just yet, but I would definitely say that this is for fans of Thursday and the fall of Troy and just stuff like that. The music is so dope. It's actually just a single person who writes the music. I actually quick pick some up for Bandcamp Friday, so I highly recommend this group. Uh, and I'm not going to keep you for long, so we'll get to the show. Thank you for listening. question I asked you was about the Modern Drummer magazine. I believe I mentioned in there somewhere that 
you didn't necessarily listen to post hardcore before you started playing the genre. Yeah, there was some stuff that inspired me in my late teens and early twenties. Um, some people out there will probably recognize names of bands like um, The Bled and Hope's Fall. And um, it was kind of this like, I think people were trying to call it screamo or melodic hardcore. It, it was it was kind of bridging these gaps between pop music and heavy music. Under Oath did that too. Um, bands like Thrice, some were much heavier than others. But when I joined a lot like Birds, people were calling it post-hardcore and I had no clue what any of that meant. To me, uh, a lot of it's just sort of sounded like some of that similar blend of really technical heavy music, but with very with poppy singing over it, etc. I didn't see a huge difference in a lot of the the, the bands. Uh, I mean, I don't know the, the evolution of one style to another, but this is also coming from someone who, even though I listened to some heavy music and some rock, it actually was never the focus of my my listening catalog. So. Yeah. Um, and, you know, actually, some some rock that is a much bigger part of my listening catalog is like Toto and Kansas and um, like a lot of classic rock. Really loved Queen for a long time. So I listen to more of that than than like a lot of the modern stuff, including the, the hardcore bands. And yeah. but I have a, I have a soft spot in my heart for some bands like I love um, I love August Burns Red. They're just pretty undeniably fun to listen to. Um, and. You know, just bands like that, where yeah. they just kind of have this cool element about them. Oh, for sure. Those those August Burn Reds guys, it's nuts. Like, uh, they're from, like, Pennsylvania or something. And they, they I follow um, I follow them on, on Instagram, and I, I think it's the vocalist. He's always, like, riding tractors on his farm and stuff. That's amazing. It, see, I think with, with, with lots of sort of meta genres out there, there's always, like, those two or three bands that just, like, carry the weight of that genre where like like there's like like august burns red is a really good example because i'm not even going to put them into a genre right now i mean i guess you could just call them metal i mean they're super yeah. heavy their recordings are so ridiculous they're so thick and so chunky and so satisfying to listen to um but you also don't come to their songs for like a nice groove based platform you, you come oh, to for listen, sure yeah you want to get hammered in the face by their music and that's kind of the point and so i think What's funny is that I don't even have any genres that I just completely love or prefer over others. But I would say that within each genre you find, I will definitely find those sort of outliers or the the few artists or bands on top where I'm like, okay, I don't listen to all country music, but there's a few bands that I do like or yeah. you know, et cetera. So, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Just kind of teeter in the line, whatever sounds good at the time at the moment. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, you gave me quite a good, few good bands there, so let's go with uh, the Bled first. Yeah, let's do the Bled. Was I was obsessed with a uh, an album called uh, "Pass the Flask," and um, there's a song called "You Know Who's Seatbelt," and it's <laughs> um it's or it actually might say his name. It was the race car driver who died. Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> yes, Dale Earnhardt's seatbelt. And yeah. That's a that's a weird song name. That's like a controversial song name, but they were all about it. A lot of this stuff stemmed from like the pop punk in the nineties. I think it was kind of a natural level, natural evolution of it. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. Like, cause like, you know, bands like Seosin, you know, I was obsessed with that Seosin EP, the translating the name EP for a very long time. Yeah. Um, 
But if I had to choose a, a song by the Bled, it would be the Red Wedding or Dale Earnhardt's Seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, we'll put uh, we'll put both of them on. That's fine. And then you said uh, Hope's Fall as well. Yes, Hope's Fall. Um, there's a song by Hope's Fall called The Bending, and it's absolutely incredible. It's, a, it's an amazing piece of work that just with two guitars, bass, vocals, and drum, they managed to get so much so many layers and so much atmosphere and uh it's got one of my favorite like sort of rock hardcore based outros i've ever heard yeah it's so moody and atmospheric it's just i i've probably listened to it ten thousand times when i was younger <laughs> nice so when do you listen to music are you automatically drawn to the, the drum sound or sort of i think if you take your craft serious enough it's impossible to ignore like yeah. i would probably see films through a different lens if i was a professional film director oh, it'd be pretty sure, yeah. hard not to analyze a movie no matter how much i try to subjectively enjoy it to sit down with some popcorn and like you know i'm I'm not gonna like analyze this i'm just gonna kick back and enjoy it but if you care enough about your craft it's pretty impossible to avoid yeah for sure i, I do notice drums i kind of the way i explain it to people is i kind of have a few different categories of listening for myself there is one category that's like the drum nerd category where I have a whole plethora of artists that when I want to be inspired by chops and crazy drumming, I have like, you know, I have my all my artists that I go to when I'm in that mental space. Um, and then I have like fun music, you know, like Wolfpack and um, <laughs> and some and some of them cross pollinate. Some of them are both, but like Wolfpack and uh, and I really like a band called Lettuce. Their, their drummer, Adam Deutsch, is one of my favorite drummers. Um, and then there's artists that when I listen to their music, it captivates me in such a way that it's kind of like the soundtrack to my life kind of stuff. And in that world, Sufjan Stevens is my favorite songwriter. Uh, he's actually probably my favorite songwriter of all time. Sufjan Stevens is right up there with Simon and Garfunkel, Crosby, Stills and Nash, uh, artists like that. I think he deserves to be on that echelon. Yeah. I also, in that spectrum, really like Chelsea Wolfe. Uh, her album Pain is Beauty, I think is what it's called, like captivated me. It, it was so unbelievably dark and atmospheric and brooding. It just struck me when I listened to it. Um, and there's a band called Hammock that's that way. Um, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce it perfectly. I think it's Jonesy, but or like, you know, he's he's the he's one of the cats in Sigur Ross. Um, but he has a solo effort. And I'm not a huge fan of Sigur Roth as far as just listening, but Jonesy's solo stuff is heart-wrenchingly beautiful. Uh, and then I have my like mood music where if I want to read a book or if I want to get to work and I, and I want something in the background, I listen to a ton of synthwaves. So like synthwave, <laughs> retrowave stuff, 80s throwback stuff. Like nice. think, thinks like Stranger Things soundtrack. Yeah. So And, and so weirdly in there, most of what I listen to really doesn't have acoustic drum, oddly yeah. enough. Um, that's why I described all that, because I, I can get my drum inspiration when I want it, but I don't always connect with bands on a deep level that have drum sets. I, yeah. I like, I like uh, digital layers and synthesizer stuff a lot. I'm not really sure why. Um, probably throwback to me being a kid and playing Mega Man X games and that being literally like, you know, a representative yeah. of what I thought was epic in the world. <laughs> so is, is that where um, you got the inspiration for La Taiga from? Yeah, so La Taiga is 
I had been listening to synthwave, synthwave and retrowave for so long. And see, even with, within that one, there's like, there's like vapor wave and chill wave and lo-fi. There's like so many different. Um, but Zach, uh, the other guy in that group with me, was from a band called Icarus the Owl. He played bass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, he's a Berkeley College music graduate. He's a totally brilliant musician. Wow, really that's just insane. Stand out dude. Just like a really, really good guy. And we've, we've remained friends since the, to- the days that we toured together uh, when he was in that band. And I... Um, he came out to Sacramento to do like a little jazz project with me where I was trying to turn Mega Man songs into jazz form <laughs> songs. Um, we just couldn't get enough people together to do it. It just wasn't appealing enough to any other musicians to like do. But from that, I just told him, I said, Hey, I am so obsessed with retro wave and like synth wave stuff that I am not like a synthesizer guy. Obviously, I'm a drummer. So yeah. how do I get in that world he's like well why don't you just record some drum stuff and send it to me and i'll see what it sounds like to put some like synth wave concepts over it and at the time i only had one microphone uh one room mic but it kind of benefited us because that one room mic sound with that kind of weird reverby lo-fi sound fit the music very well so we traded ideas back and forth and we just started releasing singles and i didn't think anything was going to happen because you know, even though I have a decent little following and the bands I'm in have a following, I didn't think anyone was going to care about that music at all. I, I just wanted to do it as like a passion project. But people listened and they yeah. cared and people donated. And the money, the money that Latiga made actually recently funneled into an entire, entirely new interface and a bunch of microphones. And now I can make like really epic studio quality drum tracks to make even better Latiga stuff. So we're working on phase two now. So that was a fun venture. That's been a fun nice. venture. That's awesome. I actually know somebody who put together a playlist. It's called Featuring Joe Arrington, and it's got pretty much everything you've done on it. And that's kind of how I heard uh, Latiga the first time. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's a huge, huge compliment. And it is pretty interesting to see the broad scope of like the, the stylistic things I've done. Um, it's i don't want to sound aggrandized talking about it but i guess that's why we're here yeah like, for sure you know it, it is when i listen to something like uh the cm bar ep compared to like uh kurt travis's songs um i'm so grateful that i have been able to work with a like colorful enough variety of artists that care enough about different stylistic things that i've been able to employ those skills it's been so much fun um <laughs> In fact, there's another artist that I don't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in the credits, but most people don't know this. There's a, a guy named Damien, and he has a group, he has his own solo effort called So Much Light. I can't even tell, because he's had so many releases and little EPs and things, but I've been on about 15 of his songs. Um, there, I think I did all of them in one called Idiot Soul was the name of the album, but so much light and the crazy thing about those though is that you're not really going to hear my flavor much because what he really wanted was a reliable drummer just to lay down some basic grooves and then they kind of manipulated them electronically after the fact so it's kind of like i was on the record but i kind of wasn't you know yeah (laughs) Um, i just gave them some foundational drum stuff to start with and it was just like a single day session and then they kind of went ham with it so um i love doing stuff like that i've done all kinds of little things like that I should also probably drop a band called Milo from Brazil. I don't know if I already talked about this, mm-hmm. but um, there's 
there's a band called Milo from Brazil, and they're very, very talented people. And they found me through Instagram, and they were familiar with my work, and they commissioned me to do a song. So I've already recorded it, actually, when it comes out. I'll, um, it was such a beautiful song when I first heard it. It made me, it made me cry, actually. Oh, That's wow. a true story. Uh, and at first, I was like, I can't even picture drums over this. It sounds so good already. But after a few listens, I could start slowly kind of assimilate what I thought might be a good drum idea, a good idea on the drum set in my head. And then when I recorded it, it did fit in my, you know, in my opinion. But yeah, I cannot wait for that song to come out. Uh, it'd be great. I'm writing down all these bands and we'll revisit them. That way we can put them in the playlist. We'll just kind of keep moving here. So I wanted to talk about that, um, that Eric, how do you say his name? Improta? Improta? Oh, yeah, Eric Improta. The drum chain? Yeah. That thing was so sick, man. That thing was awesome. Yeah, and I find it crazy that it's one song and you can, like, all the drum pieces fit in that one song, but they're wildly different because no, none of y'all have the same style. Right. It was such yeah. an interesting video to watch. Yeah, well, do you, uh, I don't, and a lot of people don't know exactly how it came together. He explains it very clearly in the thing, but most people don't still don't fully understand how that came together. Um, the, the thing is he, he and his guitarist, Nick, who's a brilliant musician as well from night verses. Um, yeah. they, what they did is they asked us to each play eight bars at a certain speed before the song was written. So oh, the drum, wow. yeah, the drum parts came first. So, he said, literally, just go ham and, and just play something fun for eight bars at this tempo and then just send me video and audio. So we did. So then the real work was him and Nick going through and trying to find some kind of flow between all the drummers there. And they did. And um, and then once they glued it all together as one big monstrous track, Nick wrote very specific guitar parts over all of it. That's and insane. It is insane. And it's also insane that uh, that one has like five or six hundred thousand views for some reason, and um, he's released three or four more that we've all recorded together, and they have gotten almost no coverage. Oh, really? <laughs> Funny. Some of them I think are even cooler. Like, like, and he he had specific themes for those, so you can go look those up at some point. Um, one of them is uh, he said one of them he called intensity, one of them he called chops, one of them he called uh, I think it was pocket I, I don't know anyway it was there were different sort of layers to the drum chain which added a little bit of an extra challenge and personal touch because we were all and it was it was interesting how everybody interpreted it you know what i mean it's like yeah like one of them was just called creativity and so there are some metal drummers just doing all kinds of wacky stuff it just sounds amazing <laughs> and for creativity i decided to do <laughs> i decided to do a very funky uh what's called a rumba huahuanco <laughs> So like, it's like metal drum stuff. And all of a sudden there's this crazy like clave based Afro-Cuban thing I'm doing. And then it goes back into more metal stuff. It's just, it's a riot. That's that nuts, man. That's so cool. Like, I don't know. That's insane. Dude. Those guys are awesome. I follow Eric and Prada too. He's really cool as far as like with the Fever 333 and what those guys are doing is, is really awesome. I love that dude. Uh, he, he's in my phone as Tarzan just because when I first toured with him, I mean, here's this shirtless dude super super sinewy and, and ripped <laughs> long hair in his face screaming while he's playing the drums doing backflips i'm like dude you are tarzan and i mean that as a compliment <laughs> like like that's so i love that, that dude's dude. wild man he's yeah. wild 
You're also in a funk jam band called Love and Mischief. Yeah, there's, so there's no and, it's just Love Mischief. Oh, although, Love Mischief. Although Love and Mischief is also a very great uh, band name. Love and Mischief is kind of a, <laughs> it almost sounds like a uh, a throwback to like the like swing era songs and things like this. <laughs> love, someone's calling the tune Love and Mischief. But right. um, uh, anyways, yeah, that is such a story. Brian Curtin, who is one of the most brilliant humans and not just musicians, but brilliant humans I've ever met. Um, he's this incredibly enlightened guy and a very good friend of mine. He was in the sort of jam band kind of jazz scene in Sacramento. And in 2013, I started playing for a band called Zug, a Z-U-H-G. Now, I was not on any records. I, I was just playing songs with them live through the summer in 2013. Yeah. And this was a lot of like, Northern California gets a lot of big like reggae fests and there's a lot of like family picnic, family vacation fests where a bunch of, you know, sort of jam band, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to actually use the word hippie, but since I just used it by saying that, I'm just going to let that <laughs> sit there. But there's some brilliant people and I loved my time I spent with all of them. And um, Brian was in some other bands and played some shows and we met and he got a, he got a, he got an offer to go to Berkeley College of Music, which is, you know, all the way across the country. Yeah, but right before he left to do that, he said, "Hey, could we record some drum demos?" He's like, "I would love to just get together and record some drum demos." And I said, "Sure." Well, I did not know what I was getting myself into, and I mean that in a good way because his his music is like it it's it's in that kind of like Grateful Dead, widespread panic, fish jam band spectrum, but it's yeah. also much more complex, much more like. A lot more jazz fusion based elements, um, very, very heady music, but kind of still with that kind of dad rock sway to it. It's really hard to explain. Of course, people would have to go listen to Love Mischief to see what I'm talking about. But it's it's definitely in that kind of like in that kind of like, um, like I said, jam band spectrum. But it's so ambitious. One of the songs I've recorded with him is more than 30 minutes long. It's, just, it's oh, called wow. The Birthday Suit. And it's just like these three piece. And he gets way into like spiritual cosmic stuff in those songs and um he preaches a lot of the same stuff that you know jerry garcia preached and um it, it's it's really great stuff but his stuff was more like i'm just going to assimilate all these musicians give them the charts we're going to fly out to this epic studio in boston and we're just going to do like live sessions live takes <laughs> so that's very different from everything i had done otherwise but it was so rewarding live sessions are incredible yeah but you have you got to be good you got to nail your parts. You, you got to be that level, but they are so satisfying. It's so satisfying to have songs come together as a unit and to be mic'd up properly that when you're all playing together, like everything everyone's doing in their respective isolation booth or whatever is going to end up on the record is so cool. And some of that music is insane. Like some of it, he like sounds like he was kind of drinking from like the Chon bottle when he was <laughs> writing it. And it's just absolutely mad and, and so i can't wait for that stuff to be released because it's just sitting in wait uh um, yeah he has kind of a marketing plan a rollout plan for it all but man i think i have like 30 songs just sitting in storage oh him. wow That's so insane, yeah i'm man. not kidding it's crazy we did so many sessions yeah so and they, they all if i'm not mistaken if i remember correctly they are all much like snarky puppy uh video sessions as well as studio sessions so you can actually yeah. watch uh, them be played so that's really cool great 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 group of dudes uh, matt coat yeah. who played for a lot like birds with me uh 
was on a lot of those sessions too as a bass player. So that was kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So when you record like drums for people, so like the marionette, mm-hmm. do they just kind of give you the material that they wrote and ask you to drum over it? Or how, do, how does the whole writing process on things like that go? It's a little different for every project, obviously, but I do have methods that work better than others for myself. Right now, the new, the new way to do it for me is to ask for the songs without drums, obviously, and then I put the click over it in GarageBand, and then I can demo my own drums over it. Most people already have the songs written, and they usually have, understandably, they have programmed drums to give them a foundation. And so I ask for their programmed drums demo as well. So it's kind of a combination of listening to what they originally thought should be the drum part, and then listening to and I, I prefer it without vocals if i if i can because um i don't know i actually think it's smarter for vocalists to write over drums that are like more concrete than the demo drums. Yeah. it can change a lot um but that's just my personal opinion and, and bands are free to do whatever they want obviously like there's a band right now i'm working with called in black and white from florida and i'm tracking three singles with them in nashville in a month or two and their songs have vocals over them already but it doesn't bother me at all um yeah just a preference i guess just a preference because (laughs) i'd like i I like to listen to the song for the guitar and bass parts as they are um but vocals are definitely not necessarily a problem so i with like with nick and a marionette nick is a really talented guy very very he's a straight shooter and i I love working with him and i'm doing another full length with them already which is kind of unbelievable Um, yeah (laughs) i just want to make music make music i mean we're we're literally looking at like october for recording so wow that's um, awesome yeah it's it's pretty bananas so he sent me the collection of songs some of the songs had drums over them already like demo drums some didn't and i just kind of what i do is i i prioritize projects based on how far out they are and I allot certain times during the day to each project. So um, I have to warm up in the morning. I have to get my practice in, meaning I have to keep my skills frosty. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to perform. And so I have my books I work out of and my drum videos that I've learned from. And I have I take lessons from drum teachers still. And so I, I have my stuff that I work on, you know, to cultivate my skill. Yeah. Then I'll do like, okay, I got a break and then I'll have three hours of work and maybe I'll do an hour and a half of a marionette and an hour and a half of Royal Coda or an hour and a half of, and it doesn't always work out perfectly, but what ends up happening is by the time I get to the studio, um, I have the songs at least understood well enough that I can go in. And I mean, with a marionette, we tracked 13 songs in two days. So yeah. And I, I didn't think it was possible. We were pretty convinced that we were only going to get through like nine or 10 but we had the other songs that he wanted to record if we had the time. And we finished 13 songs and still had time to like grab dinner and a beer the second day. <laughs> so that was pretty crazy. Dang, that was a lot insane. of work, but it was a lot of fun. And I got to work with Bo Burchell, who is a brilliant engineer. And I got to play on the studio kit that recorded the bled and Seosin and all those bands. So that was yeah. like a kind of a cathartic feeling. That's awesome. Yeah, Bo Burchell, I, I actually messaged him and I, I was surprised he messaged back because I know that he's really busy with like producing and stuff like that. And he told us we could use one of their songs on the episode, but he said if it gets pulled, he, there's nothing he can do about it because yeah. he said Universal owns the rights to the Seosin songs. 
Yep. So they said yeah. and they're they're kind of a bitch to get a hold of. So he just said use it, and if they pull it, they pull it. So I was like, right. All right. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. Um, yeah, I have a few other things I'm doing in his world as well. Um, he contracted me to do some. Well, I guess I was just his pick. There's a company called Room Sounds, and they do like MIDI sounds and all kinds of cool MIDI packs and things, uh, studio studio software stuff. And they're doing a series. I don't want to like blow this open if it hasn't been announced yet. Um, I don't know how big it is for them. I mean, you can always message me if you if if you get true. with them. And you, yeah, I'll I'll yeah. cut it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm doing a I'm I'm doing the first ever um, Joseph Arrington Groove MIDI pack. So I'm and I want to make it like a special one, meaning I want to include as much as I can. So it'll be a MIDI pack that you can purchase and it will be uh, grooves, fills and things from my brain <laughs> at all various <laughs> speeds and time signatures and levels of progressiveness. So um, they, they kind of have like a rock drummer and a metal drummer and they, 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 they asked me to be kind of the proggy drummer. And I was like, really? I feel like there's so many other <laughs> proggy drummers out there. But it'll be a fun challenge to to put that out. Um, but yeah, so working with Nick was great. Those songs at the Marionette were awesome. Extremely talented. They, they're they're Vegas boys. I love yeah. Them. And yeah. he Nick here's a fun fact. Nick and Sergio Medina and Skylar Caparici, the guitarist that I'm uh, working with on this progressive fusion project coming up. They all three grew up in the same town in Vegas, and I think they went to the same like guitar academy. So that is bizarre. Bizarre that's pretty insane. That's that's pretty insane. I know Sergio Medina. He's he's pretty much a workhorse too. I know all y'all seem like workhorses. You, Donovan, Sergio, pretty much that whole clique right there. Yeah, we're just we're just the thirsty ones. We're like the really thirsty players that just that don't want to stop making music. That's really the core of why we do what we do. You toured with We Came as Romans. Uh, 2016, 2017, Amity Affliction in 2018, and then Chiodos, right? Yes. How did how did that even? Because Chiodos has been around for so long. Like, yeah, yeah. I used to listen to them when I was a child. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. When I my one of my tiny little like punk bands in Orem, Utah, we played a we played it was it was basically a house show at like a big like YMCA thing. And this little band called the Chiodos Brothers came through. And then like a couple, and they just, they're really nice guys. They were touring in a school bus, which was kind of amazing, a short bus. It was the weirdest (laughs) thing ever. And then like, I see this band called Chiodos just blow up. And I was like, wait a sec. And sure enough, they had ditched the Chiodos Brothers thing. And they had just called themselves Chiodos. And yeah, they were (laughs) giant. Um, All a little different. Chiodos gig happened because... Thomas Eric had split ways with Chiodos for various reasons, and they needed a guitarist. And that was when Thomas Pridgen was playing for Chiodos as a drummer, which yeah. was a very bizarre combo. Um, but uh, Sergio was actually, Sergio got the call for the guitarist for a, a, a tour in Mexico and then a, a winter tour and some other things. So um, that was, I was cool for him. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's good, that's good money and that's cool for you. And he wasn't anticipating being a member or anything. He was just going to be like a hired gun. Well, yeah. then Thomas Pridgen quit. So they just said to Sergio, dude, do you know any drummer who could like, it, it, not so much chops, just who could learn this many songs in a short amount of time? And he said, of course I do. So I got the call and 
I did a winter tour with Chiodos with and Sergio, and then he parted ways with them, and they got a guy named Chad from Scary Kids Scaring Kids. Yeah, Great yeah, yeah. And then the the second tour I did with them was we went to we did a Singapore, Australia, Thailand, Japan run, which was a blast, um, eye opening, life changing stuff. And then I did a few festivals with them, and then right after that, they were talking about doing a ten year anniversary tour for All's Well at Ends Well. Um, if I, if that's the record, I think, yeah, I don't really, I, the funny thing is I didn't really even know a lot about the bands. Like people are like, <laughs> Oh man, you probably already know those songs. I was like, no, I've never listened to these songs. This is another gig. Yeah. So, so that was, that was fun. Good. Um, you know, good pay, good people, fun. So then, um, in 2016, <laughs> I, this is pretty ridiculous, uh, this story. So <laughs> I get, I get home from the Ciambar Stay Lost tour. We were pushing the, the full length. And when I get home from a tour, it's usually like 4 a.m. And like, I'm destroyed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I've been out for a month and a half. It's crazy. So I got home from that tour at about three in the morning. And um, I woke up the next day with a voice message from a friend saying, hey, I am just wondering if you can do a tour. And when I listened to the voice message, I called him back. They, they needed me to learn the songs and fly out within a week and a half. Oh, so, wow. And yeah, this was, we came as Romans direct supporting Parkway drive on a near sold out tour fully near sold out us Canada tour. And I had never really listened to their music either. I'd heard a lot about them, but I heard they were nice guys. And like, we were label mates technically because I was with a lot like birds and they're on equal vision as well. Um, but if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah. And so I, I knew about them somewhat, but I had, I wasn't familiar with their songs. So I just kind of said, well, I need to talk to my wife and stuff who at the time was my girlfriend. And, uh, I remember Tara and I went to a movie that night and I did not want to drop the bomb on her that I just got an offer to leave again in a week and a half. Cause that's, tough. <laughs> but after the movie is over, I just said, Hey, um, I got something I want to talk to you about. And she said, let me guess. There's another tour. And I said, how did you know? She's just like, I just know. I know you. And she said, and she said, you know what? I, she's like, you need to do it. You like, this is your job. This is your work. I care about you. Of course I want you home, but go forth and conquer. And because I was so impressed at her being so understanding, um, I put a ring on her finger the next day. <laughs> so um, I was nice. like, but but really, like having a having your other half be so be so understanding of something, yeah. you know, it's like being in the military almost. It's like really tough to travel stuff. But yeah, for sure. So I learned. I think it was sixteen songs in a week, and they were very generous in being like, "Okay, let's pay you for your work while you're learning the songs." And I hadn't played double kick pedal in like so long, and so I had to actually go buy one. I literally went to the store and bought a double kick pedal to learn their songs. Learned the songs, flew to Michigan, and then we started the tour. And that tour was an absolute blast. I have, I have endless stories from that tour. Um, <laughs> there, there was even a murder that happened in Reno, Nevada, about 20 feet from our bandwagon. Like, we literally oh, heard wow. the gunshots. Yeah, it was, like, gang-related. Pretty unbelievable insane. stuff. <laughs> so uh, I did a little holiday run with them as well. And then they found a permanent drummer who is an amazing guy and an entrepreneur. He has, like, a music lessons website, and he's just awesome. So. And then um, 
Amity Affliction was my friend Javi, who works for uh, who works for Absolute Merch in Southern California. He was Parkway Drive's tour manager when they were in the States. And we connected on the way we came as Roman's tour. And he's a really nice guy. Great dude. I've played VR in his front room. It's hilarious. <laughs> so that guy, um, he gave me a call one day and said, hey, are you looking for a gig? I said, well, I'm not really looking for a gig, but like I'm a working musician, so I'll what he got. He said, well, um, there's a guy named Troy Wright who's been playing for the Amity Affliction. And for whatever reason, they, they parted ways. And again, we're looking for that guy who can just learn songs quickly and jump and jump in you know, who can w- wear this hat and jump into this quickly. And um, it was for eight festivals in Australia called Groove in the Moo. It's basically their Coachella. Yeah. And so um, I said, yes. And I learned the tune again. I had to bust out the double kick pedal again. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Learned their set. And then I spent three weeks in Australia. They were very generous. They kept me in an Airbnb. And I, I was actually by myself Monday through like Thursday, just kicking it in Australia and trying to practice and play. I was playing a lot of Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild <laughs> and a game called Celeste, which is nobody should look, nobody should pass up. But um, then I played on the weekends. Those festivals were unbelievable. It was so weird to be playing after Portugal, the man, because that's pretty huge. And yeah, um, we had like flames on stage and it was just it was insane. So that was a cool experience. I, I noticed those and I was like, wow, that's insane, man. Like, if you were to make a portfolio, you have one hell of a portfolio, man. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. It's, I do have kind of a one sheet that explains a lot of this. Um, you know, most of the time I find that people just want you to be, they want you to be nice. They want you to be honest and just play the songs the way they're meant to be played. You know, most people think that everyone's looking for just an absolute shred shredder, you know, like someone to come out and just has chops galore but people really just want reliability when they yeah. work, when they find work and obviously there are some gigs where you have to be a chops monster that's very clear but but people don't realize how small a chunk of the industry that is a yeah. much broader and more more lucrative and more rational part of the industry is a percentage of people who really just want good honest hard-working musician who care enough about the, the, the music itself like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts um, yeah, for sure. And, and I added my own flavor to those bands for sure, because there's no way I wasn't going to do that. But plus we were playing live, so it didn't matter as much. I wasn't recording. So I could yeah. kind of have some fun live and the bands would tell me what worked and didn't. And they did. There were some nights where like, dude, that there's this feel you're doing after the chorus of this song every, every night. And it's just, it's throwing me off. And I, I'm like, you know what? That's fair. I went for it. It shouldn't have gone for it. <laughs> yeah. and, but then they're like, oh, there's this thing you're doing at the end of that song. It was really cool. So, you know, it's, but those those were great gigs. Those were a lot of fun. Yeah. You are actually credited on Prisoner and Born to Fail. Did you help write those songs for Dance Gavin yes. Dance? Or? Yes. So um, Dance Gavin Dance has had some ghost writing from other players. And that's not because they're incapable. It's just because they have so many full lengths out. Broadening their musical palette was probably a smart choice. Yes. And so... Yeah. When Sergio and Will and I write so frequently together for Royal Coda and did for C. Ambar as well, sometimes there's just some cross-pollination. Like, literally, we wrote a song that was intended to be uh, potentially a C. Ambar or Royal Coda song. Well, I mean, this is literally what happened. Two, those two songs were intended to be that way. But when the guys from Dance, Gavin Dance heard the songs, they, they flipped. They were like, these are so good. 
And so what ends up happening is they, they sort of end up purchasing the songs from us. Um, and once they do that, they have the right to kind of do whatever they want, which is why, um, which is why Matt Mingus plays drums on those instead of me. Yeah. They, they actually, this is actually kind of nuts. They almost kept, kept my drums. They almost kept my drums on those songs. It's just, which is funny because those two songs that I wrote with Sergio and Will, probably some of the most bonkers drums I've ever written, like absolutely <laughs> out of control. And so I, for a moment, I was like, man, I wonder if people are going to hear these absolutely ridiculous drum take through the lens of Dance Gavin Dance, which would just be so huge. And that was a cool feeling. But when Mingus said, hey, man, uh, I want your, per- I, not my permission, but he's like, I just want to let you know that I think I'm going to re-record drums. And I was like, dude, that's totally fine. They're your songs at this point. Yeah. But I did, I did help facilitate those songs in terms of, you know, I, I wrote them with Sergio and Will. That's and pretty crazy, yeah. Dr- drummers as songwriters is a little bit of a gray area, but I think in our circle, I think Will and Sergio know how much of the process comes from me as much as them when we're in a room writing together because we really organically write. We get in a room and we don't use MIDI drums or anything. We get in a room and we literally just jam out parts until we're satisfied. So it's very organic, and I think that's why they wanted to be fair. But yeah, those were fun songs to write. That's awesome. That's really cool, man. Because I, like I said, I, it was a really weird thing when I Google your name, uh, Discogs comes up and it lists you right there. Yeah. In, in fact, I don't know where, but somewhere I have a file with those songs with my drums over them that Chris Crummett sent me. So those exist, but I, I don't think it would be fair to Dance Gavin Dance to like ever let them be public, of course. Yeah. Um, but it's a fun thing to think about. <laughs> Right. Oh man, that that'd be awesome to hear. <laughs> yeah, but those dudes did a great job, and actually, it was so surreal hearing what like Tillian and Mingus did. Like they did a great job. Like I mean, that song they... is that song is there, there like played in Target and shit. You know. Yep, I know it. That's Same. so crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And I've also had people be like, "Dude, how come you didn't go for points instead of just like a like where I get royalties from it?" And I was like, "Yeah, eh, I just I had faith in it, but." I like to simplify things down to like, just give me a stipend and take the songs, you know, um, like maybe I could be making tons of money now because the song blew up, but I, I don't, that stuff doesn't really concern me too much. I'm more interested in the process. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you also work really close with those guys in general, it's as far as like blue Swan records and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. So yeah, um, that's, that's what happened there. Nice. That's awesome. That's really cool. I saw the other day, Posted a picture of a drum set, you and Sergio. Uh, I don't know where it was taken at, but are y'all recording anything or? Um, was this like just, was this like within the last couple of weeks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it a drum set outdoors and we were both yes. standing and staring at it? Oh, that was just a fun tour picture from San Antonio uh, that <laughs> I, that I just like, times are so weird right now that people are interested in content. And so I was like, just posting fun photographic <laughs> adventures but i did see sergio recently uh we were recently together in southern california i cannot talk about this project but we did something really cool in los angeles uh last weekend and uh can't wait for that to be a thing but nice some things and, i can't talk about <laughs> yeah yeah for sure is there anything with any of the projects that you're currently in like actually like actively a part of like uh, royal coda or anything like that that's coming up that you can talk about or Yes, Royal Coda is officially writing and recording a full length next month. Uh, I am doing another Marionette album. I I have 
just joined forces with a guy. Maybe I already talked about this, but his name is Skylar Caparici. He was in a band called Oranges. He is a virtuosic guitarist, like absolute mind melt at his instrument and one of the sweetest guys I've ever met. And he, uh, he finally got put into a... We finally organized his song and it, from what it looks like, Blue Swan Records is going to sign him and we're doing four songs with Mike Watts at Voodoo Studios in November. And those are like in kind of the animals as leaders spectrum. Yeah. So like really, really techy stuff, but not quite as heavy. So I'm unbelievably excited for that. I've been spending a lot of time demoing out songs for, for that stuff. Um, it's yeah. going to be guitar, bass, keyboardist, and, and drum. That's and awesome. I think he's turning it into an actual group too like he's going to give it a name and it's going to be a thing and i think that's probably why but he is for sure the brains behind the operation skylar caparici um no name for the project yet we're still in the developmental phase but the songs are there like they just need the rest of the drums demoed um but the songs are conceptualized and they are um, an absolute mind melt so <laughs> can't wait for that and then I, I, I do anticipate some recording with Kurt Travis soon. He has kind of his own studio now in Placerville, California. So I'm definitely going to team up with him again at some point. There's also talks of like a, a live Royal Coda stream, a show, things like that. Um, I know Dan's oh, really cool. did a wildly successful one, so we want to do it too. I think all the artists I'm working with want to do that at some point. Yeah. Um, Are you a, like an official member? Or like if, if a marionette goes on tour, like when all this ends, will you be the one touring with them or... It depends. Uh, this is going to sound weird, but it depends on money because I, you know, I'm a, I, I'm a husband and a father. I got two kids. And, and so um, I, and I, I trust those guys like Nick has offered me a tour before. I had to turn it down because of timing reasons, but the money was right. And he was and I, I trust Nick. And so, like, I probably would have said yes. So there's a possibility. I got you. Yeah, I mean, that's a given. I mean, that's completely understandable. I got three kids and a wife, so <laughs> I understand yes. that. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It's not outside of the realm of possibility. Um, I know. I mean, it's it's possible that touring may not even pick up again until 2022. So I'm just completely yeah. restructuring the way I see my instrument. Uh, I, like I said, I'm also doing three songs for a band called In Black and White, where the the Blue Swan influences are definitely worn on the sleeve, but it's very they're, they're very good. I like the songs a lot, and they're very mature songwriters. So um, can't wait to do that. That'll be cool. And then you said Latiga's recording as well? Yeah, Latiga's recording. What Latiga's aim right now is, is to make is the best studio quality recordings we can. But once I have five songs, because the new stuff Zach's been sending me is unbelievably good. It's insane. He has acquired so much gear and he uses so much analog equipment to get so many amazing sounds. So I'm, I'm kind of like, <laughs> I, I kind of want to like get five songs semi-finished, but then also uh send those send those into some record labels just to see if we could get a budget for something because i yeah. think Latiga with a solid budget would be an amazing uh, an amazing album I, I think we could do an amazing thing so yeah for sure i listened to that album as well anyway i was actually i was pleasant because i didn't know what to expect going into it uh but i was actually pleasantly surprised with it i appreciate that man thank you very much i, I know you've mentioned you like to read, you like to play Metroid, and you like backpacking. And those uh -huh. are just some things to do, I guess, to get yourself off of the drums for a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I firmly believe that to be a good, to be an inspired musician, you, you should have passions outside of your instrument that you like. Because 
I mean, if you're going to be inspired to write a song about something, you need things to write about. Oh, for sure. So, you know, uh, so you don't want to get burned out or anything backpacking. like that. huh? Yeah. And like taking like sometimes when I take it, sometimes when I take a break to go on vacation or go backpacking or something or go or play video games, I used to have these existential thoughts of like, oh, I'm spending all my time doing stuff that isn't drumming. This is stupid. But I learned that after taking those mental breaks and I came back, I was more inspired and I was an even better player. You got to let that stuff simmer sometimes. And, um, you know, I just love the outdoors. I do love backpacking. I haven't been able to go backpacking in a while, unfortunately, but I used to be obsessed with going out into like the Southern Utah wilderness. And I would spend four to six days out there with a group of group of dudes where we would oh, just wow, that's cool. hike through the back country. Um, and, uh, so backpacking it i am a huge game nerd anyone who follows me on instagram or whatever will probably see tons of game little mini game reviews and things because i get a lot of source video games are a huge source of inspiration um i like things like video games and movies that just lift up your creative mind yeah uh, inspire you in ways that you wouldn't have been inspired inspired otherwise anything that creates mood atmosphere or hits you over the head with like a sledgehammer with cool concepts or even if they're interesting topical or disturbing concepts things that really make you think yeah um, it's why i i like all styles of games and films you know i try to be broad about it and i've gone through phases where i've like watched all the art house films and like criterion collection and stuff like that um but i just like being inspired i like finishing something and being like man that just blew my face off you know like <laughs> i i because that it, that's it inspires me you know so. Oh, for sure. Me and my wife play play games together. We we play. There's a game called Ark. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Uh, called it's Ark. It's like a yeah. It's like a survival game. Uh, I haven't heard of it. Yeah, but we. That you doesn't like, mean it's not awesome. Yeah, you start out in like your underwear basically, and you have to like craft clothes. You have to gather supplies, craft clothes, and there's all these dinosaurs around, and you have to like basically work your way out. It's a survival game. It's pretty cool. Me and my wife have been playing that together for like two years. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. What's your most recent favorite video game? A game that's really blown me away is this game called CrossCode. It's a it's a an indie game and it's kind of one of those pixel art RPG throwbacks. Seriously yeah. reminds me of a mix between like Link to the Past, Chrono Trigger, and Secret of Mana or something. It's it's but it feels very modernized. Incredible, yeah. incredible game. Um, I'm in the middle of that one. I'm 35 hours in and I'm not even halfway through the game. Oh so wow, that's insane. <laughs> it's, it's a good good chunk, good story. But um, Last of Us 2 was a favorite, and that was a very controversial game. A lot of users did not like that game. Um, Doom Eternal just destroyed me in the best way. <laughs> I love Doom Eternal. That was, that's like the most, that's the most unapologetic fun you can have, is just tearing yeah. through demons in Doom Eternal. Um, I you played know what, the whole I, game on hard. I don't know. I like the open world RPGs, but sometimes I just want to, I don't know, play some kind of mindless just... Oh, totally. <laughs> Especially when like COVID-19 showed up and everything shut down. Right. Doom Eternal was like the perfect way to get my frustration out. It's like, oh, for what sure. better time is there to smash part demons? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And I have a few games. I mean, I, I have a lot of games I love, but uh, but those are some recent ones that really were quite in, were very well done and piqued my interest. So, yeah. So. I normally, oh, I don't know how this is going to work because a lot of your stuff is probably copyrighted, but I normally try to open the podcast with, with a song, uh -huh. um, would maybe like a Latiga song or something like that. That's yeah. Uh, that'd be a little easier to work with. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, definitely. Okay. Maybe uh, I would say misery, but that's kind of a weird like ballad. Uh, it's kind of low energy. Um, uh, why don't you use um, select start? Yeah, man. Thank you for thank you for your time, man. I really enjoyed it. You were definitely I appreciate um, going through the work to kind of put it together because I know that we it's been kind of disjointed with the two takes and. Oh, it's stuff, no big but... deal, man. I like I said, man. I'm a father and I have a full time. You know, I'm. I mean, I understand things get busy sometimes, and it's no big deal at all. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm just happy that you at least gave me the time, you know, gave me some of your time, so. Absolutely. Uh, you have a nice night. Yeah, you too. Take care, brother. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Today's closing song is Oil Ocean by the very talented Adventurer. You can stream their music wherever streaming is available, Apple Music, Spotify, and you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. All these-